Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. In 2022, Team Milk came together by sponsoring female marathon runners for the marathon in New York City. Today, they're more than 20,000 strong. In 2024, Team Milk is making an even bigger commitment to female runners and launching the only women's marathon in the U.S., designed for and by women. The inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. There's a strange book. It was first published in 1934. It's a hundred pages long, and the pages are out of order. I read some of these hundred pages in in not the correct order, but how they're given. Uh, I had no clue what was happening. Yeah. How do you even start? You're right. The first time you read it, it's like reading strange abstract poetry. Or I've got it here. Shall I read you a little bit so that you'll... Listeners have sort of a sense of what we're talking about. Would that be useful? Absolutely. Okay. So this is a random page that starts. I knew, of course, that if I got there in five minutes, I would have double the time for my by no means suburban hops at the Café Royale without insulting it and myself with John Montague's arrangement for an uninterrupted session at the gaming table. I felt so much at one with holy Mr. Herbert. Or Mr. Haddock, did he call himself? But he was right about these hours. And if that was not holiness, what was? Mead kissing laces, surely he had convulsed us with. For the moment it didn't matter, because I decided what to do. Leader in Haby, I gave my swan a drink, and then drew a sheet of newspaper toward me. So, yeah, it just feels like a stream of consciousness, you know, like something by Samuel Beckett or James Joyce. It's full of, it's densely full of quotations, mostly of poetry, but of all sorts of things. John Finnemore is a comedy writer, actor, and a crossword puzzle creator. He came across the book a couple of years ago. The book was written by a man named Edward Powis Mathers, who's said to have pioneered a certain type of crossword called the cryptic crossword in the 1920s and 30s. Mathers was also a poet and a translator, and he loved crime novels. And of course the 30s was the golden age of the whodunit, and when people like Agatha Christie and Nao Marsh and uh, Marjorie Allingham and Dorothy L. Sayers were all at their peak. And um, so, yes, this must have brought together the two things he, uh, he particularly loved. Uh, and poetry, I suppose, was the first one, because, as I say, it's full of these, um, you know, literary illusions. He created more than 600 puzzles, but he didn't publish them under his name. He used a pseudonym for both his puzzles and the book, Torquemada. Torquemada. The historical figure, of course, was the Grand Inquisitor in the, the Spanish Inquisition, so I suppose he's saying he's a torturer and we're his victims. Like his crossword puzzles, the book was very difficult. As it says on the book's back cover, it's not for the faint-hearted. The title is Cain's Jawbone, and it's part puzzle, part murder mystery. 
You have to figure out what order the pages are supposed to be in, and then identify six murderers and their six victims. When Cain's jawbone was first published in 1934, it was announced that the first person to prove that they'd solved the puzzle and the murders would win 25 pounds. Two people ended up submitting the correct answer, but the solution was kept a secret. And then, nothing, for almost 90 years. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. John Finnemore came across the book in March 2020, just before the COVID lockdown in London, where he lives. And I had a quick look at it and just thought, no, I've got absolutely no way. I don't know where to begin with this. It's way over my head and just put it aside. And then, of course, lockdown came along and suddenly I had plenty of time. He says he spread all the pages out on a spare bed and would go in about once a day and stare at them. It's quite addictive. You just want to do one more page. Every page looks pretty much the same, roughly the same amount of text, each beginning with a new sentence and ending with a complete sentence. So you generally can't link pages just by connecting the beginning and the end of a sentence. But there are a few exceptions, where lines of poetry are italicized and indented, so you have a visual clue. The indented lines split across two pages, and John thinks the author meant these to be a kind of freebie, a way to start. You can put those two pages together and go, right, well, at least these, this page must follow this page. But after that, it gets much harder. You just have to look for little things that you recognize. John explained that each page is so full of references that you just do your best to decode them. Everything could be a clue. Like in the part he read about John Montague's arrangement for an uninterrupted session at the gaming table. He says when he read that, his first thought was sandwiches. Because he, that was supposedly how the sandwich was invented by, ridiculously, the Earl of Sandwich, John Montague. The legend says that John Montague loved gambling so much he didn't want to get up from the table to eat and asked his servants to just put some meat between two pieces of bread and bring it to him so he could eat with one hand and not stop what he was doing. It's now thought that that probably isn't how it started, but that's the legend and that's where the name comes from. So there's a little, you know, you just, so you just make notes like that in the margin and hope that they will connect up with other things you discover on other pages and allow you to um, put the order together even if you don't understand what's going on. The name of the book, Cain's Jawbone, is a reference to the story in the Bible where Cain murders his brother Abel. In some versions of the story, his weapon was a donkey's jawbone. It's sometimes called the first murder weapon. The phrase Cain's jawbone sometimes appears in literature as a kind of shorthand. It's even in Hamlet. The line reads, Cain's jawbone that did the first murder. And in this mystery puzzle book, we get one reference to Cain in the text. It says, Whether as a human mistake or one of the brand o' Cain, as the poet laureate says, and he served in both capacities, he knew his job. When you Google that phrase, Brando Kane, it appears in a poem by John Maysfield, who is the poet laureate of England for more than 30 years. And even if you're able to figure out that the poet laureate was John Maysfield, it could be a red herring, 
and not actually help you put the pages in the right order or figure out who the six killers are. You have to look up everything. Constantly looking things up with uh, the internet, which how on earth anyone achieved it before that was a tool. At their disposal, I have no idea, but um, there's a major thing you realize about it. And you go, oh, I see, this is not quite what I thought it is. This is going on. And when you do that, it opens the way for how you're going to do the rest of it, or at least what the next stage is. You think, oh, well, in that case, then my next job is to do this thing, and I can set about doing that. So that was that was a lovely moment because that's when I suppose it went from being from me picking out little references that I thought I understood or Googling things and putting a note in the side but still not knowing what it all added up to, to going, oh, I see, that's what, that's the shape of it. Oh, this might actually be solvable, not necessarily by me, but it might be solvable. And also it's a fun thing and it makes you respect the setter more because whenever you're doing something a puzzle like this, or even, you know, reading a mystery novel or, or watching a suspense thriller, there's always that uneasy, yeah, but do I trust that the writer knows what he or she is doing? Are they going to satisfy me at the end of this, or am I going to be disappointed? And there's often a moment early on where you think either yes or no. Oh, no, I think this person knows what they're doing. I think there's a good chance that this is going to have a, a satisfying ending. And yeah, so that was that moment for me on this. He says that the more time you spend with it, things do begin to come together. Characters do emerge, and they are distinct from one another, and they have different ways of speaking, and they have different objectives, and the story does make it's a, it's a It's quite a crazy story, but it does make sense, and it does, but the author promises you that there is only one answer, and it is logically the only order in which these pages can be put. And when you read that sort of poetic soup that I was reading to you, you think, well, that can't be true because it's so dreamlike. But no, everything does have a meaning. And a lot of those meanings are specific ways of allowing you to uh, put that page in place. It's a really well-designed puzzle. It's a really, it's a really lovely thing. One of, one of the best parts of this all, I think, is that uh, you have to do the work yourself. No one's going to do it for you. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You can't cheat with it unless you call Googling cheating. But as I say, it would be impossible without it. But Google will not provide you all the answers because it was written in the 30s. There's a lot of stuff that's location and time specific. So there's references to strange old 30s slang. And there's some things where I'm still I'm making guesses. He told us about a part where he thinks he figured out that when the late edition of the newspaper, The Evening Standard, was published in London in the 1930s, that the newspaper salesman would have shouted, six out. But I can't find confirmation of that anywhere. It's nowhere on the internet. I read books from the first half of the 20th century quite often. I've never come across that particular thing because it's it's completely ephemeral. It's something that no one would think to to write down. I, I may be wrong about it, but I suspect that it's just something that he knew his audience would know. And um, he certainly didn't expect anyone to be trying to solve it in 2020. The man who wrote Kane's Jawbone, Edward Powis Mathers, was said to get bored with standard crossword clues, sometimes called definitional clues, where you could, for example, have a clue that says constellation part for four letters. The answer would be star. Mathers was much more interested in what is called a cryptic crossword. It's deliberately misdirecting you. So 
there's one that's um, the father of electricity. And you're supposed to think of Edison, presumably, or maybe Watt. But what they want you to think of is generator, because a generator is a father and is also produces electricity. So that's the sort of start of cryptic crosswords. And that's about as cryptic as I believe they get in America. But in Britain, there is a tradition of taking it one step further and producing a clue, one part of which is a definition and the other part of which is a sort of little recipe of wordplay that tells you what to do with the words and letters in order to, to achieve the definition. Um, so it could be things like anagrams and any word that indicates sort of confusion or disruption could be an anagram indicator like angrily or madly, or it could be taking the first letters of things, it could be reversing things, putting words into other words, so that you end up with a clue that sounds like nonsense, but actually has a meaning that you can decode. John Finnamore actually creates some of these puzzles, probably making him more likely than most of us to be able to decode Edward Powis Mather's clues almost 90 years later. Kane's jawbone came back to life after a copy was donated to the Lawrence Stern Trust. Lawrence Stern was an 18th century experimental writer. He wrote Tristram Shandy. When they received Kane's jawbone, the curator of the Trust Museum, Patrick Wildgust, thought he'd try to solve it, but realized quickly it was much more difficult than he thought. But he wanted to know the solution. He told us that he first tried to locate as many copies of the book as possible, thinking there might be one in some library somewhere that had notes in it about the correct solution. He was able to locate a number of copies, but none of them had the answer. And then he came across a bookseller's online catalog listing both the book and on a separate piece of paper, the answer. Patrick Wildgust purchased it right away. And then one day, he was talking with a visitor at the museum and showed him the book. That visitor, John Mitchinson, runs a publishing company called Unbound. And together, they decided to try to bring Kane's jawbone back. Unbound printed the book as a sort of special item, and in keeping with the original spirit, offered a prize, 1,000 pounds. And then, in September of 2020, John Finnamore sent in his answers hoping to become winner number three. They gave you a form to submit, and it had 100 numbers, as it were, with a space under each one, and you had to write the correct number underneath. So printed work page one is real page, whatever it might be, 14, and do that for the whole thing. Then you had to fill in a little chart that said so-and-so was killed by so-and-so. That was the second part of the submission, and the third part was a brief account of how you arrived at it, which they presumably put in just in case someone had, you know, found an old copy of the answer or something and was just transcribing it. So you had to just give a couple of sentences about your experience of solving it. Do you remember the moment when you looked at your notes and, and said, I've got it? Uh, there was no moment where I thought, yes, that is it. I, I am definitely right about this whole solution. So there was no, aha, I've got it. But he did get it. What was it like when, did you get a call? I mean, so few people have 
have gotten this the correct answer? Did they, uh, did they give you a phone call to tell you you've gotten it right? They did, yes. It happened to arrive on my birthday, which was nice. He estimates it took him about six months to solve. Obviously, it wasn't my full-time job, but on the other hand, I don't know that I could have done it that much quicker because it's the sort of puzzle where you need to give yourself a rest in between and something might come to you on a walk or when you wake up or when you look at it again. So I don't know how long it would take if you, for some reason, decided that you were just going to spend eight hours a day on it, but I, I don't... I think it needs a lot of downtime to solve. News that John Finnemore had solved Kane's jawbone got around. And the publisher, Unbound, decided to print more copies so other people could give it a try. They reprinted the book in 2021. And one of those books made its way to San Francisco, to the independent bookstore Green Apple Books, where a 24-year-old woman named Sarah Scannell walked in one day and picked it up. She made a video about it and uploaded it to TikTok. Here's that video. I found this murder mystery book from 1934 where you have to figure out the six killers and their victims, but all the pages are printed out of order. So I've decided to take this nearly impossible task as an opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream and turn my entire bedroom wall into a murder board. We'll be right back. Support for This Is Love comes from Indeed. Sometimes a new person joining your team at work can make a good team into a great one. But finding the right person can be a challenge. Indeed helps you find that perfect match when you're looking to hire. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences for job candidates and becomes more accurate over time. So the more you use it, the better it gets. Indeed will also help you with some of the busy work of hiring too, like scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates. According to a survey by Indeed, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Listeners of This Is Love will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Just go to Indeed.com slash This Is Love right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash This Is Love. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Within days of Sarah Scannell posting to TikTok, Kane's jawbone was completely sold out all over the world. You couldn't get it anywhere. People are really into it because I think 100 pages makes it seem manageable, like it's just short enough. Sarah Scannell. 
And also we see portrayals of like murder boards and whatever in like all kinds of media, whether it be like, you know, Criminal Minds or Homeland or things like that. And it just seems really fun. And you very, rarely have an opportunity to do that. So I feel like people saw that. And in the beginning, I was being dramatic and I used string and stuff and have since abandoned that. It's not particularly practical, but like at most of my comments were like, this looks incredible. I want to do this. Hello? Hi, I'm looking for Joey. Hey, that is me. Thanks for doing this. I'm not going to keep you for very long, but just a few questions. I'm at work, so take your time. (laughs) Okay, I'll go really slow. (laughs) (laughs) Joey Goodman works at Green Apple Books. The building itself is unique. It's huge. It's kind of like labyrinthine. There's two floors, and there's tons and tons of used books. This isn't like a Barnes & Noble situation. No, far from it. Joey says he and a lot of his co-workers didn't know that Sarah had posted about the book on TikTok. They just knew that out of the blue, there were dozens and dozens of requests for this old, obscure book, and they had to piece it together. It was kind of like, what happened that uh, this one book suddenly is like so in demand, and it's tons of orders from like far out of the city too. And more people coming in asking for it, and it's like, we know you saw the TikTok. But uh, it's like, you're too late, sorry. So it was, it completely sold out? Yes, yeah. Like our distributor also sold out real fast. So we had a long back order of people waiting for books that we were like, we can't get them either. The book was also sold out on Amazon. Has any of this made you want to try to solve Kane's jawbone? Uh... Not so much. The way that this book is published, it's a paperback, and it has kind of little cut lines printed on it. Like, it's not perforated or anything, but it's clearly intended for you to cut out the pages and move them around. And so I, after I initially bought it, I didn't do anything for, like, a week because I was like, I don't have the physical space to be attacking this as it clearly intends me to. And then um, I had to like rearrange some furniture in my room and suddenly I had a very big blank wall. And I was like, perfect, let's get started. Like first step, just read it all once through, tear out the pages as I go and then like tape them up on the wall and we'll go from there. I mean, how do you not just get 100% overwhelmed right away? It is hard. (laughs) That's the thing is that it's not surprising that three people have ever solved this and only one with the internet, which is incredible. Uh, But that is one of the things that I don't think I fully comprehended when I bought it, was that it is written in 1934 and it's a English book. And so I was like, I just need to get through one full reading. I'm clearly not gonna understand most anything. Um, and it, by like midway, I actually really got the, like, the hang of like the tone of it and how some of the words worked and how some of the like writing flowed into each other. But like it was it was very strange and it remains pretty difficult, at least now that I've read through it a couple times. I have clear understandings of, you know, some recurring scenes and obviously characters. But sometimes you'll get a page that is like exclusively pronouns. And you're like, I have no idea who's here, what they're doing, what's happening. And you just, I took my little notes and I moved on. Sarah Scannell has been posting her progress. Here are some of her follow-up videos. This section over here is all confirmed mentions of death. So it's like 
people who they either say like old man what's his face died sure that could be a murder he could have just died or people like getting stabbed on page and you're like oh a murder happened all right i don't know if it's supposed to be one killer to one victim you know but we'll find out the last section over here at like the far end um is just like miscellaneous pages because um i kind of got the vibe for what i was specifically looking for for a lot of these sections but it's very hard to read pages out of context sometimes you're just like oh they're like waxing poetic about something so i don't know they go here for now and then we'll figure it out less than two months after sarah scannell first posted on tiktok the publishing company announced that it would print more copies They told us earlier this week that so far, they've reprinted 130,000 more copies of Kane's Jawbone. You can now find it in stores again. And if you want to try and submit your answer, there's a deadline of December 31st, 2022. The prize is 250 pounds. There's a Kane's Jawbone community on Reddit helping each other, asking questions. Some of them use a special sort of secret-keeping feature that lets people cover their words, and you can choose to click on them if you want to see what could be a spoiler. Sarah is aiming to solve the puzzle by the deadline of New Year's Eve. Here she is on TikTok. I just got to keep stressing that, like, this is a nearly impossible task, and it will take me many months if I solve it at all. A fun update, though, is that I did color code the entire wall. Um, But thank you to everyone in the comments who suggested the rainbow tabs because they're super helpful for me. Just like help my brain process everything at once, like recurring characters and events and stuff like that. Another fun. The only thing that I'm worried about with the idea of so many people joining me in this is that the answers will get out. Because part of the mystique of this that I actually really enjoy is that nobody knows the answers. Like it has never been publicly made available and you have to go through the publishing company to find out the answers. Like, I think there's probably like three people who know it, including the comedian who solved it. And so I've kind of committed myself on TikTok to doing no spoilers. Uh, but I do fear when everyone in my comments are like, let's crowdsource this. I'm like, no, but it's not as fun that way. Like we're all kind of on the same footing as people who are out of this time and I'm Googling a lot of things. Like there's a lot of allusions to people and events and stuff like that, like mythology, poetry. Anyone can Google that as well as I can. You've got this all up in your bedroom. It actually sounds like a very relaxing thing to do before you go to sleep, to have a little, you know, just look at it for a while. And maybe that would just do the trick. You know, there are all of these new sleep apps. Have you heard about Mm -hmm. them? Yeah. You could just do this, right? Don't you think it would work just as well? Oh, definitely. I think, for one thing, it's infinitely better than staring at my phone for the last, like, half hour before I go to bed. Um, And, like, it's calming. It, like, kind of centers your mind into one activity. Like, it's, again, not looking at screens. I think it actually does definitely calm you down. And you can just do it for as long as you're brain it like you'll feel yourself getting tired and so you can just kind of do it until you reach that point do you have any advice for people who start a puzzle and get really frustrated and or just, i'm not doing this i'm putting it away you know how 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 do you help someone get past that little impatience and and keep trying and and see the fun of it I mean, if this project has taught me anything, it's that some puzzles take more than a day to do. And so you're gonna 
you finally have to get into the vibe of like, if I'm frustrated, just put it down. Like just come back to it. You don't have to get it in one go and you shouldn't get so frustrated that you're like, well, I'm never gonna get this. Even if it takes like weeks to get back to it, like your mind will get clear and it will be shockingly easier to hop back in. A hard puzzle is one of those things that take you away from yourself, that time distorts it. You know, a good novel can do this as well, but it's not quite the same feeling as um, a puzzle in the way that, um, as I say, time distorts and you realize you, you know, guiltily realize you, you've meant to sit down for it with it for 10 minutes and actually you've been there for two hours and, and the way that it unfolds and gives you little rewards as you go along and it's properly escapist in the way that television you can be, you can, you know, these days people have one eye on their phone or there's something else going on and you're, or you're, or even you're just thinking to yourself as you, even as you're watching, but you know, your worries are ticking away in the back of your mind. The nice thing about a difficult puzzle is that you just end up, if it's good at all, you end up completely focused on it. And being so wholly wrapped up in anything is really enjoyable experience, I think, and, um, and good for us. I think I'm going to do a puzzle this weekend. Good, good. I think I'm going to go find a little puzzle to do. <laughs> I think this is not just good for our mental health, but also probably good for our long-term brain health, you know, keeping, keeping ourselves active in that way. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it is. You'll live to be 150 with the amount of puzzles you've done. <laughs> you haven't seen the way I eat. <laughs> this is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Needy Wilson is our senior producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson and Libby Foster. Rob Byers is our technical director. You can find out more about the show at thisislovepodcast.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're a part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Do you still do Wordle? <laughs> no, I stopped like two weeks ago. I missed like a really dumb word. And they got mad. I was like, I'm done this game. So, you, you, <laughs> that's it. Like, I'm not going back. This has wasted enough of my time. Yeah, I definitely didn't consider it a time waste, though. It was fun. But for a second, it was like part of the routine. It was like, I wake up and there's a new word do that first thing before leaving bed. I do it every morning. And I don't, like, consider myself a puzzle person. But I do wordle every morning. And I look forward to it. And I don't want to talk to anyone until after. Oh, that's funny. I've finished Wordle. Yeah, I super know what you mean. You, you, do, you do it first thing in the morning, too? First thing in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, and I have a seltzer. Nice. And I do Wordle, and I don't talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, in that way, it's a, it's a funny, like, barometer for how you slept or something, maybe. It's like, man, this, my brain doesn't work at all today. It's like, you know what I mean? If you start it too quick, you, I can, like, I'm still in brain fog mode. <laughs> and I'm making dumb mistakes, just guessing words that are not based on what I know. You know what I mean? You can blame it. You could just blame it on your night's sleep, not on your lack of vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>